do, do, do. What is it? It is June 30th. Wow, we. Wow, we. Uh, let's take you and put you here and put you on the Twitter internets. All right. We're up. Good evening, folks. It's, uh, it's June 30th, I think, 2021. Tomorrow is Canada Day. I hope we all celebrate accordingly, whatever that means to you. Um, busy week on my end. Busy, busy week, as always. Mostly video editing. I've been sidetracked with a bit of a different project the last couple of days. Uh, but the video editing continues. The Cole Sillinger report is out as of today, which is quite neat. Um, that is, that is a good thing. I can't imagine there's anyone who's watching anything else tonight. I don't know what you could possibly have on. Um, I have a, a brand new hoodie. I have a brand new hoodie, which is, uh, for all my nineties kids out there. Where's the, you recognize that logo? Reading Rainbow with, oh, I pulled a muscle in my back. Huh? Apologies if you can't see it. Got a Reading Rainbow sweater. It's pretty nice. Um, yes, I'm live during a Stanley Cup final game. Every Wednesday night, baby. I do what I like. And also, I just need to get this done because I've got a bunch of other stuff to do before the end of the week. Um... But yes, yeah, so the Cold Cylinder Report is out, so please check that out if you have not already. Uh, and there will be two more coming in the next few days. Uh, McKean's is putting the Brant Clark Report up, I think, tomorrow. Uh, so that means it will be out on Friday. And then I have one more next week, and actually two more for next week. And uh, I actually have to reshoot the Owen Power one. I realized that as soon as I started editing it this week, so that sucks. Um, but that will be the last full-length one before, uh, the ranking video and the draft, so that's kind of neat. Um, other than that, yeah, so the other thing that did happen this week, or today I should say, is the, uh, CHL import draft, which is always fun. We can dig into that if you like. Um, a little bit light week on tracking, but that's mostly because I'm trying to get all these videos out. Me being ill a little while back sent me back... Uh, set me back quite a bit, uh, unfortunately. Um, let's just jump into some questions. Um, oh, Ray, Ray, Rayan, what's up, man? Hello, my friend. Uh, thoughts on Yuri Tiochek landing in Erie? It, you know what? Um, I don't know if they just watch my videos or what, uh, but it makes sense, uh, at least in my books. Um, I know they do a lot of analytical research and stuff, so, I mean, Yuri Tiochek's analytics aren't particularly stunning. Uh, but I'm glad that, that the Erie Otters, maybe it was just the guy they took and, you know, just by coincidence, it happens to be another guy that I really like. Uh, but he's, you know, I like Erie Tiachek and the idea of him and Erie, especially if a Jamie Drysdale has gone to the NHL, not bad, not bad at all. Uh, so yeah, I was really happy to see him go there. I hope he reports. I think he would, I think he would do pretty well on small ice, uh, getting used to it over here. I mean, he played decent minutes, but he didn't play every game, and his ice time kind of fluctuated a lot in the Czech League. Um, but I do think that in the in the uh, OHL, it would be a really interesting test for him, and I think Erie would be a really good organization for him to, to play in. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Um, how would you rank these four? 
Kali Irvasti, Alexei Malinin, Valtteri Koskala, and Tobias Vilen. All the Swedish or all the Finnish defensemen. I don't know. My, my brain, my brain's a little scrambled today. Uh, all the Finnish defensemen. Um, well, let's just take a look at the list. Uh, the list, the magical list. Um, and filter for Finnish players or at least Finnish league players. Finland. Uh, why does that not load? Okay, so that's not loading right now. Um, I think I can tell you, though, right off the top of my head. So, I have Irvasti highest, which might be a bit of a hot take. But with Tapias Villen, I have grown more and more skeptical. I think I pulled him off my list because he just wasn't really moving the needle a whole lot for me. I had a hard time at the under-18s really picking out what he was contributing. He was just kind of there and a, and a guy. Um, Alexi Malinin, I had him ranked a little bit higher, but I ended up bumping him onto the watch list. Um, I mean, he's pretty much all skating. If you bet on just a guy who can skate, sure. And he's a good puck rusher, uh, but he's really raw. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done there, I think. He's he's worth picking. Again, he's in my he's on my watch list. He's worth a shot. Uh, but yeah, not 100% sold. Koskala... I, I went through a Koskala phase. I pulled him off my list again because I think there was just a lot that was um, not, again, like not much of a needle mover. He's a decent defense-first guy, I think. Uh, but I just don't know if it's enough. Like, I've been trying to trim my list down to the guys that I legitimately could go to bat for. That looked like it hurt. Um, That looked like it hurt a lot there, Arturi Lekanen. Uh, so I would say Arvasti is like the guy I like the most in terms of projectable NHL ability. Um, Malinen has the mobility for sure, the skating ability, which is perfectly reasonable. Koskala and Vilen, I think both of them will get picked, but I'm not sure he'll get picked. I, I wouldn't be running up to the microphone to pick them early in the draft, really. Um... Zach Fielder, hey, well, thanks for the suggestion to check out StatShot uh, you gave a few weeks ago. Just finished reading it. Good. It's a great book. It's a nice little primer on analytics and and how that kind of thinking is in hockey and how it can be applied. Um, so I enjoy that book. And Rob Volman works for the LA Kings for a reason now. Uh, really smart dude. I'm I'm glad to know him once. I speak to him once in a while. Good to know him. Um he he was one of the first people that reached out to me and you know just gave me a little bit of, of a boost like back in 2016 2017 so um always will pump that book forever even if it's you know even if the content is a little bit you know the analytics has kind of run it's run past that book's scope but in terms of just a general over overview of 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 why analytics are useful and how uh, it's a definitely a good read. And it's a relatively easy read as well, especially if you're like moderately familiar with the principles. Um, where and how can I get my hands on final draft rankings? When are they typically released? Yes, those are going to be locked in very shortly. Uh, the big thing for me right now is finishing the videos. The ranking video will be the last uh, produced video before the draft. Um so the final rankings will probably come out in about, I want to say two weeks, a week and a half, two weeks. Um, 
that's the goal. I just want to finish all the full-length reports first. Then I got to go through my video. The tracking, as you can tell, it's really slowed down now. I'm not... There isn't a ton that's really changing. I'm just circling back on a lot of guys just to double-check on a lot of things. Um, and a lot of the guys that I'm most interested in, I have a really good sample already, so I'm, I'm relatively good to go. But it's... You know, right now, it's just the focus is getting the reports done, and then at the end of the reports... Um, then the rankings will be the focus and those will come out in written form and in video form. Uh, as they always do. Uh, which leaf prospect intrigues you the most? Intrigues me the most is a good way of putting it. Um, let's go to elite prospects. Uh, uh, um, drafts go to Toronto. Um, I mean, the easy answer is Rodion Amirov. <laughs> um, I'm trying to see here through all of them. What, what, what would, I'm trying to pick a good one. One where I actually have things to say. Vladimir Bobilyov. Um, I'm really curious to see what VT Mietnin turns into. He had a really good freshman year. I mean, for a sixth round pick, you could do a lot worse. Uh, and that's pretty clear already. I'm a fan of his, and that's one where I think I'm curious. Uh, obviously, I'm a big fan of the guys they take high, like Rodion Amirov, Nicholas Robertson, Toby Nimala. But definitely very curious to see how VT Mietinen develops as he gets older in college. Um, had a great freshman year, really, really incredible shot. I felt he was underrated last year on a really bad team, so good good for him. Um I, that that's probably the best answer in terms of interesting, especially because of how far how far he slipped in the draft for sure. Uh, um, who's your favorite at forty through fifty? Well, yeah, I'll just use my list. Oh, there you go, tie game. Um, forty through fifty. I mean, I have Yuri Tiachek in there, which might be crazy. That's a There's a few guys in that range that, that I think are really interesting players. Tiachek, Peart, Jake Martin I really like. Sean Barons I have in that range. I think that would be a solid range to pick him up. Uh, but in terms of, like, a favorite... I mean, I love watching Yuri Tiachek play. Uh, I know his under-18 wasn't particularly phenomenal. But I, I, I was just so surprised with how he played, considering his statistical profile... Uh, where he scores a ton of points in junior, and he just wasn't really scoring a ton in the Czech second di second division. Um, wow, that was not a great not a great save there, Andre Vasilevsky, or lack thereof. Mikhail Sergachev feels shame. That's what you get for throwing dudes into the boards from seven feet out. Uh, Tia Czech is a guy though that really surprised me when I was when I was watching him, and I think there's a lot of headroom to work with. Um, and if there's ever going to be a five foot nine defender that can, you know, turn into something really interesting, I think it's Tia check this year, but Jake Martin and Sean Barron's, I think are also perfectly fine. I, I would go with Tia check. And at 50, I've got Cole Huckins, I think no 49. I like Cole Huckins a lot as well. If you want just sort of an all around physical skilled 200 foot kind of guy, uh, I'm a fan of, of Cole Huckins as well. And I think you could get him later than he should go. Uh, why the big jumps to Cheka and and, and Hranbjorg? Well, with with Victor, um, I mean, he again, it's one of those things where, you know, he's still at ninety one. Uh, 
Pronborg was, I think, closer to 100. And it's, you know, I just sort of sat there and went, all right, you know, would I take him over these guys? Probably. Um, I don't think there's real NHL upside for Hronborg, but I think there might be. Like, he's smart enough and he's responsible enough and he's, I think, selfless enough with the puck that you can put him with faster, more skilled guys or more physical players. And, um, oh, <laughs> Charlie, good call. Uh, <laughs> my mistake. Uh, Let's let's just do this. <laughs> to answer your question, no, there is no difference. I just forgot to change it because I have a macro to write. The, I have a macro to write the arrows in my notes, but only for my keyboard because I have macro keys on my keyboard on my desktop, but on my laptop I don't. So when I track on my laptop, I have to write in the words up and down. So I remind myself. I just forgot to change them, but there is no difference to answer your question. Um, but to go back to Kronborg, um, again, yeah, like he's a captain pretty much of every junior team he goes to, it seems. Um, not the most flashy guy, but he's smart and responsible and, and decent on his turns and, and can cover ice pretty well. Uh, again, I don't think there's massive NHL upside, but again, the, the margins in that range of the of my list are very, very, very slim. So he had like a decent game in the SHL and I thought, all right, you know what, you know, objectively speaking, I would probably take him above a few of these other guys. But again, really splitting hairs when you're in that range of the draft for sure. Uh, and for Cheka, I just had Cheka too low. I think I was drinking a lot of Kool-Aid that other people were saying about just how bad he was this year. I did seven games of him this year and the seventh one was really good. Um, and a lot of his data in very certain areas is very good. Um, would I take him in the first round? P probably not unless it was one of the last few picks of the first round. And, you know, you think that you could transform him back into kind of more of what he was last year. I mean, I get the feeling that when he showed up at CSKA's, at CSKA's camp, they just kind of looked up at him. Um, they just kind of looked up at him and said, oh, um, you're a giant, so you're never, ever crossing the center line ever again because uh, his involvement in offensive transitions is, like, near zero. He doesn't really do much in terms of offensive play, but he can. He's pretty mobile for a big guy, and there's a bit of skill and patience and creativity. Um, it just doesn't come out in, 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 the, in the CSKA program this year. I it's pretty shocking just how conservative he is and how, how much he sits back defensively. He's really hit or miss too. I think that's another thing where there can be question marks, but in terms of just playing the game and, and what he could be, I mean, I'm seeing him in like late, like in third rounds in places, late second rounds. And I just don't think, I just don't think he's that bad. He had a bad year. If you judge him based on how he played this year, it wasn't great. But I just can't shake the feeling that he's being told to do a thing that he's not really comfortable doing in terms of playing hockey. Um, I feel like he's a guy who wants to play a bit more offensively, wants to have the puck a little bit more and play a little bit more with the puck. Um, but I don't know. Uh, but again, like I had him pretty low. I just sort of looked at it and went, you know what? He's big. He can skate. He's got some skill. He's he can he's he can be creative. It's just that he wasn't pushing very much at all, whether that's tactical or mental, wh whatever. But I feel like if you sat him down and worked through some stuff and talked to him, 
I feel like he could illuminate on those things quite a bit because there is a very clear data case of what I'm talking about, in my opinion. Um, do you think Kamel goes to Regina because of Connor Bedard? If I'm him, the thought of Bedard boosting my point totals attracts scouts. Yeah, so Joachim Kamel went to Regina. Regina actually picked two really good players. Um, so I think Regina's kind of thinking by the time Bedard is draft eligible, they're going to go for it. Honestly, I think it's more likely Alexander Suzdalev comes. Uh, I don't see him being in the SHL next year and, and making an SHL paycheck and playing big minutes in there. I think he's going to be a full-time HV71 junior guy. But I really have liked Alexander Suzdalev. Uh, and I thought that at 95th overall, like, that's not a bad pick. And if he's willing to come over and you can't... That's one where I could say playing with Connor Bedard might help you. Kamel, obviously it would help him. But I think with Kamel... He's on a he's on a Yveskala program that's very young. They like the guys that they have that are young. They've got a lot of really good young talent, um, and he is a part of that. Uh, so I'm not sure. Like I imagine he'll be in the Liga next year. I think he'll push for a job there. He was very good in the Finnish Junior League games that I saw. I thought his under 18 was kind of hit or miss, but you did see spots and flashes of what he can do. Um, but I I like him a lot. And if he does come to Regina, then then great. Um, it's a, he's a nice weapon to have, but if he doesn't, I honestly think Suzdalev is, is not a terrible step back. I don't think, uh, in terms of quality of player, if you did want to bring an import over for sure. What is the absolute highest you'd be convinced to take Xavier Bourgo? Um, probably not much higher than I have him. Uh, I have him at, uh, 30. The guys ahead of him are really high upside players. Uh, would I take him? I mean, the tier he's in stretches to 19. Would, would I take him over a Carson Lambos? Probably not, but you could chat. We could chat. Svazil, probably not, but we could chat. Chaz Lucius, probably not, but we could chat. Scott Morrow, if you think you can get Scott Morrow later sure nikita chibrikov probably not sebastian casa probably not maybe i don't know vili koivinen again if you could get him later maybe but i still really like vili koivinen um alausen yeah you could convince me to take borgo over alausen but but that might be a bit tough too samuskevich martino strungren i'd say the absolute earliest is like 27 and after i would say I would, that would be my, my vote, but probably not much higher than I have, which is 30. Um, Hey, Will. Hello, Matatron. Would you take Ratu or Stankoven if you're drafting in the teens? Well, I have Ratu higher, so probably him. Uh, and I would probably go with Stankoven in the second round, because if I'm drafting in the mid-teens, I imagine Stankoven might be available in the second round. And if you can get both of those guys, I think you're laughing. Do you think there's any chance Matvey Michkov is ever coming to Charlottetown? Uh, no, I don't think so. He's going to be in the KHL next year. Like, he's going to be making bank. He's going to be scoring goals. He's going to be a superstar in Russia by the time he's a draft eligible, I think. And I don't, th like, would you? Like, if you were playing for the best KHL team in the world, best KHL team in the KHL, I should say. If you're going to, if you're going to play on that team, are you going to listen to the GM of the Charlottetown Islanders who's like, hey, you want to play in uh, PEI Canada? Come on down to PEI, Mr. St. Petersburg Superstar. 
I just don't think it's possible. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to be in Russia and then he's going to be in the NHL. But it, I respect the idea. You know, like if, if SKA St. Petersburg, if the internal government of, the, of, the, of Russia collapses and the oligarchs who run SKA St. Petersburg uh, d- disappear from the face of the earth and the program evaporates, then maybe. But I don't see that happening. Um, do you think there's any chance? Oh, no, that's the same question. Hey, well, hope you're well. I am trying, Thomas. I have a multi-part question all about the same topic. That's okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but because Clark and McTavish were both loans from the CHL team, would they be unable to play in the AHL next year? But yes, despite having played pro in the U- in Europe. Okay, so the question is, would they be unable to play in the AHL because they're CHL loans p- playing pro in Europe? Yes, that's true. They would not be AHL eligible. So Brant Clark and Mason McTavish would almost certainly be going back to the OHL next year. Uh, the second question is about trying to bypass the rule. Could could you see some very high-end CHL prospects play their their draft year season in Europe so that they can play their... Do you, could you see some high-end CHL prospects play their draft season in Europe so they could then play their D-plus-1 in the AHL? Um... I don't know. I'm not sure what the agreement is there uh, specifically. I know that it was very much like a patchwork thing because of COVID. I am going to go on on a limb and say that next year things are just going to go back to they're just going to go back to um, what it was before. Um, Which is basically they're just going to go to the CHL. And the CHL teams have to like agree to loan those guys out, I think. So I don't see it happening uh, unless the COVID pandemic roars back somehow. God forbid, knock on wood. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I get the feeling everything's just kind of going to go back to normal, even though it is kind of nice to see guys playing pro hockey in Europe that are North American and comparing their games between there and here and there. But we had fun, didn't we? Um, Jesse Beret, do you expect Lafreniere and Kako to break out now under Gallant? I... How much of their struggles do you think had to do with David Quinn? I mean, David Quinn certainly wasn't really helping. My my feelings about Capo Caco is that he just looked way slower than I remember him looking in, in Finland. Um, and that's on bigger ice. Lafreniere, uh, I can't I can't help but think he's gonna, you know, like you can't you can't ignite Alexi Lafreniere playing him with Brett Howden and and Phil D. Giuseppe. Like that's not just how that's not how that's gonna work. I hope it works out. I, I hope, I mean, I like Gerard Gallant as a coach. Um, I think he was a big part of setting the stage in Vegas and getting that room an identity and a culture. I mean, he's the coach of that team and he brought them to the Stanley Cup final, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, you know, I, I, look at, I look at that and go, you know what? Sure, like I totally believe it. I don't, I don't think Alexi Lafreniere forgot how to play hockey. I, I did say also last year, like I was one of the few people who pointed out that there might be an adjustment period for Lafreniere to get into the NHL. I didn't think it would be this much of an adjustment period. But again, he wasn't playing with line mates that I thought would really help him get over those adjustments. Um, Kako, we'll see. He was better this year than he was the year before. Um, I mean, it's it's still way too early to just turn around and go, what a bust pick. Um, because I think that he he had a really tough first year. I think he's on the record saying as much. Um, and it was really bad. But this year he was better. And 
it's really hard to play in the NHL. That's the other thing I think is what we're learning in most drafts now since even the Austin math, since basically after the Austin Matthews draft, it's like the NHL has really sort of risen in terms of a lot of, of underlying fundamentals in the game that make it a lot faster and, and more skilled and more physical. And it's, it's, it's the game changes rapidly as, as more and more teams start to, you know, whittle away at, at their weaknesses and starting to continue to build strengths. Um, and it's just guys that are 18, 17, 18 years old. It's just really hard for them to, to really get a, get going in their first season nowadays, these, these days, it seems. Um, excuse me got something in my throat what does your data say about cameron why not i don't have anything on cameron why not i've watched him play a whole lot i don't know what he's gonna be i have a hard time projecting him as an nhl player he's a smart puck mover but i just i don't know if there's enough there i i I'm not surprised to see people not really ranking him a whole lot because he's just, he's putting up solid numbers, but not overwhelmingly solid. And whenever I've watched him, he just seems to be a useful QMJHL defenseman. And I feel like the bar for really good defense in the queue is, is relatively low right now. Unfortunately. Um, I don't, I don't know. I just have, I set my bar high for especially QMJHL defenders. Um, and he's just kind of been fine. I don't know. Like he's one of those guys where I don't really know what I can really you know, gush about, but there's nothing I can't poo-poo, you know? He's just one of those guys, I think. Is he going to get picked? Sure. Would I pick him? P- probably not. Um, thoughts on Craig Button having LaSalle at 27? He can do what he wants. Um, I strongly disagree. Um, I think a lot of people are getting caught up in hearsay and rumors and blah, 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 blah. Uh, if he's a 27th, if he's the guy at 27 overall, yeah, I take him and, and deal with the issues that might come with that later. No questions asked. Uh, Leafs acquired Philip Hollander last summer. What do you think his future is going to look like? I think he can play uh, in the NHL. I don't think he's going to be a huge impact player. I think he's going to be very versatile, though. Um, he's got some good skill. He's got good pace. Uh you know, I like how evasive he is with the puck. Um, he's creative. You know, he's kind of that Kyle Dubas brand of just creative, skilled guy. You know, he's not a bad defensive player either. But I don't, again, I don't really know what sets him apart. He's not necessarily, I don't think he's necessarily like a top six guy in the NHL. You know, but maybe a bottom six guy that maybe if you need a center for a bit, he can play center. Maybe a winger more often, but you know, kind of bouncing around the lineup until he finds a fit, but you're okay with that because he can sort of do everything. What a, what a goal. What a goal, Blake Cole, Blake Goldman. That was an incredible goal. Um, Got to see that one again. Uh, But yeah, uh, Philip Hollander, yeah, I, I think he'll be a player. He'll be a guy for the Leafs. If not, the Leafs can move him for whatever they want to upgrade their lineup with. God forbid, whatever that, whatever that means. Um, that was unbelievable. Holy smokes. Anyway, um, this is Josh from Massachusetts. Long time listener, long time. <laughs> Hello, Josh. 
Uh, do you think Anton Lindell would go in the top 10 in a redraft from last year? Um, let's take a peek. Blake Goldman. Um, I mean, so Lindell went 12. Could you take him over Askarov? I think so, but still very early. I would say you could bump Lundell up to 10. And because Jack Quinn probably shouldn't have been there anyway. Uh, Yaroslav Askarov is, is, is a wild card, I think. So sure. I mean, you, if you twisted my arm, Lundell could go ahead of him and Jack Quinn. Um, but I don't know. Above that is, is tough. I mean, Jake Sanderson at five. I probably would, wouldn't mind Lindell over Sanderson, but I think those that's just a very weird comparison to make. Those two guys are very different players that I think will have very different outcomes in the NHL. But but I don't know. I could see the argument for either at this point, but top 10, I could see. Um, Adil, what's up? Hello. Who do you think Detroit will take if the draft goes how you think it will? Well, if what I am hearing from people online uh, and reading from people online is true, um, I'm assuming that the draft is going to include, and I don't know in what order, but Clark, Beniers, uh, Power, uh, McTavish, and... Was it Kent Johnson that I saw floating around? I can't... Power, Beniers... McTavish I don't know I can't do it off the top of my head I mean if I'm Detroit at six Ken Johnson would be a ton of fun uh I think Ken Johnson would be a nice add to that team um I mean if if Steve Eiserman is gonna go full Steve Eiserman you may as well get Fabian LaSalle I think he's that good uh or could be that good um so yeah those are a couple of, that that come to mind immediately Yeah, because I don't want to go on forever. But but again, at six, I think really good players are going to be available. One thing I will say is the top five that I have seen thrown around is like what likely is to happen, quote unquote, which never works. That's never how it happens. Um, but at like if that happens, then William Eklund is still available. And William Eklund in Detroit kind of writes itself. I think that they would take a real hard look at him. And I would not be surprised if he's wearing a, a, a Red Wings jersey and looking pretty good wearing a Red Wings jersey. Um, do you think Marcus Almquist is a better prospect than VT Miettinen? I mean, Marcus Almquist is a full year younger. Like, a, like a, in terms of draft year eligibility, like a year younger than VT Miettinen in terms of the calendar, the day that he's born, um, which I think gives him an advantage. I honestly think that if Almquist had played the full season in Sweden this year, we would be talking much differently about him. Um, I think VT Miettinen is more refined and, and more, yeah, more refined. But in terms of, I mean, VT Miettinen's big thing last year was just he shot the puck from everywhere. Uh, Marcus Almquist doesn't really do that, but he, he, he is very unrefined. So I think VT Miettinen, there's more of a projectable player but I do think that there's a world where Marcus Almquist could be a better player in the future, but not right now. <clears throat> Hopefully that helps. 
Uh, this year will most likely mark the fifth year in a row. The first overall pick will not win the Calder. Do you think we were spoiled with McDavid and Matthews and the standards for the coming on worst overalls have changed? Um, well, like I said, the league is different now. I think, um, Connor McDavid and Mc- and Matthews were very unique players. And those were kind of the, 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 the head honchos. I mean, like Connor Bedard, I think will have no problem in the NHL based on what I've seen and how smart that guy is. Um, McDavid Matthews, I think, yeah, that those guys were incredible. Even even Eichel uh, has has turned out to be really good. But I think that the big thing that has changed is that the league has changed, and there's a lot more going on that makes it tough for young guys to really break in and dominate. Um, especially with the ones that we've had at first overall uh, recently, which I think those guys they're all guys I think with warts. But I mean, you look at Alexi Lafreniere; it isn't very common that QMJHL players that have a hundred and bazillion points uh don't work out so we'll see um in terms of first overall picks winning the calder i do think that that's kind of that 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 might be out of the picture for a little bit um i don't know i'm not gonna jinx it or anything but i can see why it has not happened that often um especially with how much how much more teams are careful about development how much certain teams put into their development of players um, how much patience plays into the factor, how much patience plays in. And it just goes to show to me, like to play in the NHL, you got to be really, 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 really good. Um, and, and at first overall, like if you're going to win the Calder, you literally step into the NHL at 18 years old and are better than all the other guys who have never played in the league, even if they're four five, six years older than you. And that's really tough, uh, for anyone. Um, so I just think it's something that is very rare and will continue to be very rare, I think. Uh, is USHL defenseman Eaton Nat? Not falling for that one, Matthew. Very funny. Um, hilarious. Who do you see jumping up in the first round that could be, could be a surprise? Um, ba, 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 ba. Who do I see jumping up into the first round? Shy Booyam. I think Shy Booyam's going to go in the first round and it's going to be wild. Emily Rasslin will enter the draft again. How do you think the Hunter-led drafts 15, 16, 17 have hurt the Leafs now with no cheap ELC talent and relying on bargain bin signings? I mean, I, I was unhappy with them the day that those drafts happened. And I remember people telling me you can't judge drafts day one. People still tell me that. You can't judge drafts day one. You can't do this. You can't do that. It's like, well, okay, yes, but look at like look at who they're picking, right? Like it's it. I will never, ever forget the time I went to a, a rookie tournament game here in Toronto. I think it was Leafs-Habs. And the Leafs were playing Keaton Middleton. And I know Keaton Middleton played for the Colorado Avalanche this year, so he must be really awesome. But I remember that game. And the one thing I remember was the Leafs had the puck. They were losing. The Leafs had the puck. They were in the offensive zone. And in the defensive zone, Keaton Middleton starts a fight with some guy, I don't know who, gets the snot beat out of him, gets a concussion. Uh, I think the Leafs lost that game. And I think he missed a bunch of time that year with with injury problems and starting off with a concussion was not great. And I just was like, well, that's, that's why the Leafs are bad. And that's why the Leafs are getting away from this whole Randy Carlisle era, Fraser McLaren every night, four-year deal, Colton Orr thing. Because... 
the Leafs were losing. They had the puck. What else do you want? And then your defenseman stops the play with a defensive zone fight that he not only loses, but it hurts himself in. And, uh, yeah, like those drafts were not good. And it was pretty clear at the time that they were questionable. Um, and it is hurting them now. Uh, they, they've got a really, even the ELC guys they bring in though, guys like Barabanov, they end up moving them. Uh, Miko Lettinen, he was a big name signing and they ended up moving him. So even if they do have cheap ELC talent, like they keep also adding warm bodies to put on their team, right? Like they signed uh, TJ Brody, they signed Zach Bogosian. Um, it's a mixed, I mean, that those drafts were bad, but there's also other things that are at play. Um, you know, even the 2015 draft where Kyle Dubas was involved, guys like Dmitry Timoshov, where there was really good value with that pick, he still hasn't, he hasn't really worked out. Um, you know, the draft is, is fickle and at some point it comes down to a lot of random chance, but, uh, anyway, um, I mean, I guess Dmitry Timoshov played games, which is nice, but either way, not the best draft for sure. Would Eklund on the Ducks be too redundant with Zegris? A Clark Drysdale blue line would be too good to pass up. Do you think? I would not pass on William Eklund to take Brant Clark. Uh, and I don't think you can have too many really fun, high-octane offensive guys. And Zegris and Eklund are just two. And other than those two guys, I don't really know who the Ducks have that really fit that bill. And you need more than just Trevor Zegris to score points in the future. Um, I would not pass... I think there's a much lower, much smaller list of problems with William Eklund to work through than, than Brant Clark. But... I mean, if it is Brant Clark, go nuts. I mean, I have not heard anything about William Eklund being a top five pick by anyone uh, in the in the recent past in terms of like insiders. Um, so maybe it's not you're not even have to think about it, and maybe you will get your Brant Clark. But uh, for me, I would think that William Eklund in a Ducks jersey would be pretty nice. Your top five centers this year in order. Oh boy. Uh, well, Beniers one. I have Ken Johnson two. Yeah, I would say, well, Ken Johnson hasn't played center this year. We'll say guys who I have seen play center. Beneers, McTavish, Ratu, uh, and Stankoven. I know Stankoven has played center in the games I've watched, so we'll call it that. Actually, Svechkov has also played center. Um, Okay, so there. How about that? Beneers, McTavish, Ratu, Svechkov... And then Stankoven as number five with Cole Sillinger as an honorable mention. But I don't think he'll play center in the NHL. I would think Coronado probably could be a center in the NHL because he, I mean, he's listed as a winger, but I like him at center where they played him. Um, yeah. What would your rough outline of the Olympic team Canadian roster look like to you? Oh man, I'd have to think about that. Uh, I don't, honestly, with the NHL, like I barely even know who's who's on what I, I spent so much time watching non-nhl hockey that i've completely lost track i would need to look um but i will i will put it in my notes for next week <laughs> and you can ask me again um canadian roster i will remember uh thoughts on brett harrison really good shot and that's kind of what you're that's kind of what you're betting on um 
I don't really know. I mean, I've got him in my second round, I think. Right? Right? Yes. Um, he's, he's a guy who moves his feet a lot and doesn't really go many places, but he can really shoot it. Um, I think as like a complimentary scorer, there could be something there as a second round. Um, that would be the biggest things for me. But again, I haven't, I haven't tracked any of him. The team he plays on in Finland was not great. Um, but he looked fine at that level. Good, I would say, at that level. I thought his under 18 was also fine. Um, I don't know. Not a huge needle mover, but as a guy that you can just plug and play and see how he develops, for sure. Uh, who, if anyone, could you see taking a swing on Moro in the first round? Um, let's see. I mean, I would think a team with multiple second-round picks could do it. The the Minnesota Wild, maybe, with the late two, two late firsts. If if it's one where you can hedge your bets, I think you're gonna. I think that's when you could see a team doing it. Um, oh, I missed a question about Owen Murray. I'll backtrack on that in a sec. One second. Um, but yeah, like L.A. has a bunch of picks, and I could see the L.A. Kings doing it. Like forty and forty nine. And with 49, the pick was for Alec Martinez. Yeah. You know, they if you trade, yeah, like at 49 for trading Alec Martinez, you get this pick and, and what turned out to be Elias Anderson. And you make that pick Scott Morrow because he slips to 49. I could easily see it. Carolina might also make sense. Um, but they don't, they only have the first and second round pick. But I'm thinking like a team with multiple picks. Um, maybe Montreal if he slips all the way to their picks. But Minnesota is the one that also, if they really wanted him with that Jason Zucker pick, I could potentially see it as well. Uh, what is... Oh, man, I lost my spot again. What is What is your opinion on Owen Murray? Yeah, I have done... Uh, I have done a uh, a few games of him... I had him ranked for a little bit. I pulled him off. Again, he's one of those guys where I just don't know what he turns into. I just don't know what he turns into. And I I like his skating, but I'm not sure the whole package is there. His defensive game is really hit or miss. His passing is really hit or miss. I'll pull up his data really quickly. Um, oop. But he's one I just like kept going back to over and over again. Um, and it's not great. Uh you know, like you're looking at a guy who relinquishes the most dangerous shot attempts against of anyone I've tracked. One of the worst overall shot differentials. You know, not passing the puck a lot. Not completing pucks. Not completing his passes very much. Um, not creating shot attempts. Not There's just not a whole lot going on for me when, when he's playing. Really involved in defensive transitions, but not great at shutting them down. I don't know. I just have a lot of question marks, and I just don't really know... I don't really know what's going on with him. I, I, there's skating, but again, not, not sure. It's like the guy that you want to bet on for just skating. Excuse me for one minute. I'm gonna remove my sweater. I'm sweaty. Oh, wardrobe change into a. Plain gray t-shirt from Walmart. How about that? Um, sponsored by Scouching's Patreon subscribers. 
Uh, could you see the Rangers taking Ratu at 15? Yes. Beneers or Eklund or either? Uh, Beneers, uh, I think he's the, the I think he's the best player in the draft. I think he could be at the end of the day. Eklund could also be the best, but he's in the same tier. But I think if you're looking for a center, it's Beneers. Um, and if you're looking for just an all-around hockey player, I think it's Beneers. Riley for the Devils fourth overall in the Leafs draft, Eklund. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Uh, doubt it, but maybe. Let's switch over to Twitch. Um, how do you compare overagers to players in their draft year? Um, it's a good question, but I think of it as like, where are they relative to their cohort in their leagues? Um, and where are you picking them? Like, if you're in the third or fourth round and a really good overage player is available you may as well just take the overage guy if if he's performing better than you would think a draft eligible player would perform in their D plus one. Like I look at Ethan Cardwell as a guy where I'm like, I watch him play and I'm going, yeah, this guy should have been drafted. And like, I would take him, you know, even if it was, you know, you get your second chance at taking a guy like that. And I think you take it. Giannis Moser, it's just a different calculus to me. Like with Giannis Moser, it's like, I think there's a world where he's an NHL player within two seasons, maybe not a massive impact one, but, and so what's, what's that worth, right? Like to me, second round, maybe, but like probably not third, fourth round. I could see him going off the board in that range. And the team in three years has a bottom pair defenseman that isn't flashy, but he's, you know, useful and deployable. Um, that's all possible. Uh, so it's it's kind of a case by case thing, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's comp it's a bit complicated. But to me, it's like a you know, you get your first. I'd say first three guys. The first three guys you pick are the guys where they're draft eligible for the first time, and you're excited about them, and you know you're all gung ho, and you have you have big big thoughts on them. Um, but then the next thing would be, uh, the next thing would be then, all right, well, in the mid rounds, you know, fourth, fifth round, like, sure, sixth, seventh round, like, I, versus most draft eligible guys who go in the sixth or seventh round, you may as well swing on someone older because your chances of hitting on them are, are very, very small. Uh, I think there are draft eligible guys that I would draft in the sixth or seventh round that are very young and, you know, there's a lot of runway to work with, but most of the time, sixth or seventh round guys, you may as well just draft the the best players you can find and sometimes those players are the ones that haven't been drafted in prior years and a guy like ethan cardwell to me should have been a top i'd say top 100 pick but here we are oliver suny probably should have been a, a top maybe 120 pick and i don't think that's changed uh next twitch one doesn't it seem pointless to send cole perfetti back to the ohl yeah but that's just how it's going to go, I think, unfortunately. Um, I don't know. I I don't know. It's the rules. Like, I'm sorry, but that's just the rules, it seems. Uh, maybe they'll make a waiver, but I doubt it. Uh, will you have a Brant Clark scouting report for the draft? Yes, uh, it is the next one after Cole Sillinger's. Uh, so he's next, and then Matthew Coronado comes after that, and then Matthew Beneers after that, and then Owen Power, and then that's it. What player had the largest difference in your ranking and where they were drafted? Last year, I think that would have been Shakir Mukamadoulin. I didn't have him ranked. I think in retros, I think, oh no, I think I had Mukamadoulin on my watch list. 
Um, so a watch list guy going in the first round is pretty impressive. Igor Chinehov also, I didn't have ranked. Um, I was like, all right, this guy can shoot the puck. Great. And I did not think he was going to go first round. Um, what's up, Mr. Hinkle? Hey, scouting. I, a lot of mock drafts recently have Dylan Gunther going to the Ducks. Yeah, that's high for me. I, I think with Gunther, there's projectability concerns in terms of maximizing his offensive output in the NHL. I don't know. Maybe it's possible, but I, I thought he would take over the under 18. And if a, if a top three pick hasn't, you know, dominated an under 18, that might be a bit of a question mark to me if they're eligible and they were there. Um, there are just better players, I think, that I would pick at three. But I think Gunther's a top 10 pick, maybe maybe 8 to 12 range. Um, maybe a bit higher than that, seven, maybe. But in terms of three, I think that's pretty high. But I do think it's entirely possible he comes in. I just don't expect him to be a massive line driver in the NHL. A really good complementary scorer, a guy who can work off of other players really, really well and set players up and, and all that fun stuff. But I still have question marks about Gunther's projectability, especially if he's going to be a top five, top three pick. Uh, Keith Petruzzelli says he's returning. He's going to UFA in August. Iserman said the Red Wings will retain his rights on a COVID exception. Who's right? I don't know. I don't know anything about COVID exceptions, right? I'm not a, I don't work in the league. I don't, I don't get paid enough to know that. Um, and what do you think of, of NCAA players holding out for UFA? What if Owen Power did it? Uh, Look, in my heart of hearts, I'm team abolish the draft in the first place. I think it's kind of weird, um, but it's the system we have. Uh, honestly, I don't know who's right. What do I think of NCAA players holding out for UFA? It's the one bargaining chip they have. That's it. And college players in the States don't get a lot of freedom and choice at all. So... That being a tool for them to use to get their way, I don't dislike it at all. Like, would Adam Fox be as good if he were in Calgary or Carolina? I don't know. But I do think that there's a mental component that might have changed things a little bit for him uh, that that made him what he is now just by virtue of being a Ranger. Maybe, maybe. I'm not saying that I know that for sure, but I can see how that could happen. Um, so to me, it's like, well, maybe, maybe there's something there, but again, you have to wait four years and a lot of college guys that are worth that a lot of college guys that could have a bit of a bargaining war that's worth having a bargaining war, a bidding war over are really good in their first couple of years and they get signed then anyway, and they kind of overstay their NCAA time and just dominate they would just dominate for far too long to get to that four-year limit where they then hit free agency so i see how it could be a useful tool for a certain group of players but if like ken johnson gets drafted by columbus and doesn't want to play for columbus i have a hard time believing that he's gonna stick around in michigan for four years or three more years if he if he just continues to just if he puts up more and more and more and more production over the next little while. I feel like before then, Columbus would just trade his rights for someone to somewhere where he would be happy signing. I just feel like that's more likely. Um, thoughts on Chase Bradley. I like him. I, as a seventh round pick last year, I thought it was a good pick for the Red Wings. Again, like you said, he's a long shot. He's got a good shot. Um, he, he He's a pretty simplistic offensive player. 
I think obviously he's a big long shot, but I did think that in the seventh round last year, he was a guy that if his name came up, I wouldn't say no. And I was pretty surprised. I actually forgot about him uh, until the seventh one, until the Red Wings picked him, to be honest. Um, who do you think the Sabres will take and who do you think they should take? I think they're taking Owen Power. I mean, they did say today, he said that they haven't talked, which is kind of hilarious. That makes me think that it might not be him. I think it should be Matthew Beniers, and I hope it is. Because I think he would make a rock star as a Buffalo Sabre, for sure. Sabres fans would just love him. He's, a, he's amazing. He's great. Uh, can you give a rundown on Zach LaRue? Maybe what team systems you could use him, uh, that could use him or fit him in? He's weird. Um, I worry about his projectability to the NHL. Like, he's skilled and, and puts up points and all that stuff. But I don't know um, if it's enough. He, I, I, he's one where I keep going back to watch or I keep going back to watch more and I still don't know what I think about him. Um, you know, his, his suspensions are an issue, especially when you know why he got suspended. Like it just is like, what are you thinking kind of stuff? Um, I don't know. I, he's, he's skilled. He can score, he can make a play, but it's all, it's not really sort of a dominant side you know, it's not really a dominance thing. And defensively, I think he's a bit of a work in progress some of the time. I don't know. He's a weird one for sure. I'm, I'll be very curious to see what where he goes and, and where, you know, and how his game and how his game evolves over the next little while. Um, who do you think will be the more valuable player in three years between Bowen Byram and Alex Newhook? Probably Bowen Byram. He's really something. And I really like Alex Newhook. But that's like an A versus a B plus to me, you know? It's like a B plus is still very good. You love getting a B plus, but when you get an A, it feels really good. Stay in school, kids. Where would you rank Byfield if he was in this year's draft? Number one. Uh, who would be your top three from the twenty twenty one from the twenty twenty draft one year later? Well, with the hindsight, Marco Rossi wouldn't be top three. Uh, unfortunately, if he didn't get COVID and nearly die, um, I would be probably leaving him at three. But for me, my one, two, three this year probably would be uh, now Lafreniere, Byfield, Stutzla, probably. Um, are there any tournaments before the draft? No, I don't think so. I think they're all done now. Thoughts on Scott Morrow? Uh, what can I say that I haven't said already? Uh, one of the most intriguing prospects this year. Tremendous mobility and skill for a defenseman. Um, mind-boggling numbers in prep school hockey. I thought he looked really good with Fargo. I thought over the six or seven games that he played, he got better every game. He was pulling off some really majestic, aggressive stuff. I want him to bring that out in his game. I think that he might be a guy where, you know, like the name I can't stop thinking about with him is like a Brian Leach, you know, where you, you know him because he scores points. And yeah, like some of the defensive stuff, like Brian Leach was a, good defenseman but when he scored points that's why you had him and i think scott morrow could get to that kind of a defenseman and i think he's extremely talented um you know not saying he's the next brian leach but i just can't help but shake the feeling that he's a unique player this year with a ton of potential and uh the skill and creativity and offense to him is just a ton of fun he just needs to apply that subtle that skill set to the defensive side of the game and lots of guys i think need to do that when they're drafted and they end up figuring it out i think 
or they don't. <clears throat> um, other than Beniers, which of the center prospects do you think actually plays center in the NHL? Yeah, it's... Um, I think Mason McTavish could do it. Atu Ratu, I think, is a center. I think that's just how he's going to be. Um, Matthew Coronado could be a center, I think, in the NHL. I liked how he played when he played center in, in, uh, in the uh, USHL. Um, I don't think Logan Stankoven will be a center, but maybe. I mean, there are five foot nine centers in the NHL. It's possible. Uh, and I love how he plays in open ice. So maybe. Um, I don't think Sam Miskevich is a center down the road. There, I just, it's, it's a bit light in, in terms of guys that will definitely play down the middle. I mean, I like, I like the idea of Cole Huckins as a center. Um, he's played sort of back and forth at all forward positions I've seen this year, but I think he could be a center that you could snag later on that, that could be useful. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all, there's a lot of them I think will be, will likely be wingers at the end of the day. Any BCHL prospects I like this year? Um, there was one that caught my eye, but I didn't see enough to put him on my list yet. Um, I'm trying to remember which one he is. Because there was a few that I looked into, and most of them didn't really move the needle. Um, oh, Yegor Serdiak is off to Omsk. Good for him. Poor guy. Um, uh, ba -ba 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 -ba. I think... It was Noah Serdakny. Sasha Teleguin has also been pretty solid. Josh Mallory won't stop yelling about him, so I tried to check him out, and sure, potentially, maybe. Um, I am pretty sure the person I was thinking of was Noah Serdakny. Um, pretty sure. He's the one that kind of stuck out to me. Uh-uh-uh. Where do you think LaRue ends up getting picked? I've seen him anywhere from 15 to round two. I could see him going in the first round easily. Um, some team liking his sort of edge to his personality. Maybe not a lottery team picking him, but maybe top 20, 25. Maybe he's a surprise there. I could see it. Um, but I could see why teams would also skip on him. It's, it's a weird, he's one of those ones where different teams could think entirely different things and be legitimate. Uh, why is Bulduk so highly rated? Your guess is as good as mine. I have not really thought a ton of him this year. Um, I, if he goes in the first round, then, then have fun by all means, but that's not my pick. Um, how do you think Kalia fits in the NHL ceiling? Uh, don't give him too much to do outside of score points. And I think he'll be just fine. I mean, he's not a terrible player with the puck outside the offensive zone, but, you know, you got to know what you're getting with these guys, and he's a scorer. I know you get asked about Eklund at center all the time, but could you see him excelling there if he played alongside defensively responsible wingers? I just think you're, like, it's the same thing with Tim Stutzla. You know, could you play him at center? Yes. 
are you taking away from what makes him special? Also, I think yes. And I think that if you give Eklund the right to be free and play an offensive role, especially considering he played wing all year in pro hockey, I think, uh, yeah, I think that Eklund at, at wing makes a lot more sense than playing him at center because I just also think you're just going to enable his best talents a lot more often. What forwards do you think will be available at 19 for the Oilers? Uh, well, um, depends on what their track, their plan is. I mean, Matthew Coronado might be an interesting one for the Oilers. Uh, I doubt Cole Sillinger will be there. Um, forwards. Like an Oscar Olausen, if that's the direction they want to go. Uh, I'm trying to think of, like... Uh, Simon Robertson was teammates with Philip Broberg, I believe, this year. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure. So you could see a connection there as well. Um, and if Simon Robertson is an Edmonton Oiler, that's pretty neat. Uh, Atu Ratu played with Yassi Puglia-Yarvi this season, I think. Um, before... I could be wrong. I don't remember. But I'm pretty sure I remember seeing those two on the ice together early in the year. Um, So, yeah, like Atu Ratu might be an option for the Oilers. There's a few. It'll be interesting to see who's there for the Oilers at 19 for sure, assuming they keep the pick. Is Alexi Hammond Salami around pick 60 good value? Yes, I think so. How high would you realistically tank Stankoven? Uh, well, uh, I have him ranked 15. If I'm a lottery team, I don't take him in the top 15, I don't think. But it's not outside the realm of possibility that he's there in the second round. If it's if I was ugh, if I was an NHL team, like if he's there past 20, I'm 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 really making a push for him. Really making a push. Do you think Brennan Mennel could be a good free agent signing for a team? Sure. I'd give him another chance in North America for sure. I liked him in the KHL this year. Thoughts on Mayu and Roman Schmidt? Yeah, I don't like either of those guys, to be honest, um, for a variety of reasons. Uh, seems to be some big moves since the last time I watched your live stream three to four weeks ago. What have been the major sources of change? Nothing's really changed that massively. I mean, Daniil Cheka jumped up quite a bit. I reworked some things a little bit here and there, but mostly things have remained relatively similar. Um... I don't, I mean, some things have changed. I've removed some names. I, I, around this time, I really have to start setting my bar higher and just saying, like, I need to just focus on who I would legitimately go to bat for and not second-guessing myself. And if I'm wrong, then I learn down the road. Um, but I think, I, yeah, I mean, the things that have changed the most for me uh, I mean, Bryce Montgomery is on here after watching him at the PBHH. Again, really raw, but I'm curious about what he could be. Um, yeah, but other than that, not a whole lot has changed, I don't think. Uh, what do you think of the German goalie? Tim Stutzler should have been first overall. Uh, I don't know. I can't think of anything cheeky to say. I'm already running out of steam on this stream. <laughs> But thank you for the attempt, Brian. Uh, top five overagers in this year's class. Okay, so I would say Cardwell, Giannis Moser, Pavel Tutniev, Cameron Berg, and Florian Elias. I went back and watched more of him. Uh, I still don't think there's a massive NHL upside player there, but I think he's worth picking. 
Um, Josh Doan could be an honorable mention there. Oliver Suni. Those two guys would be the first sort of honorable mentions I would put on that list. Um, you, do you see the Sharks picking Jesper Volstead at seven? Maybe, but I think, you know, like if a William Eklund is there at seven, that might be a bit too much, bit too much for them to pick, uh, to, to pass on for Jesper Volstead. But I don't know. I get the feeling Volstead's going to slip. I wouldn't be surprised to see Sebastian Casa go top 10 and, and Jesper Volstead top 20. That's, that's the crazy thing that I think might happen. Um, did you see Petruzzelli's not going to sign? I did. I think we went over that already. Um, thoughts on Ethan Cardwell? Kind of went over him. Uh, I'm late, to, so if you've mentioned him, I'm sorry, but I've been loving Kisikov re recently, and I'm, am I crazy to see him in the second round? No, I think he's a reasonable top two round player. Um, he's fun and skilled in a league that isn't really high pace in any direction. I think he's an interesting pick out of Russia. He scored points for a reason, but I, I like him. I, I, I think, I think he's a bit rough around the edges and a bit inconsistent. There are some games I've seen where he does nothing, but when he's on and he's skating and he, you know, he gets to the net. Um, but the question for me with guys like him and even Poltapov is like, are they power? Is Poltapov a power forward in a league that has no power forwards at all? You know, it, it, and, and is he just sort of setting himself apart against that group? And with Kisikov, like, is he just a skilled guy who gets to the front of the net and, and has a good motor in a league that has guys with zero players with good motors and, you know, attacking the net consistently with pace? I don't know. And and how does that project to the NHL? It's a question mark. So if Kisikov is available in the late second and he's like the third guy you draft, sure, I'm I'm in, I'm interested. But I don't know. Like I've seen some have him in the first round and – I could see the argument, but I'm not, I don't think I'm sold on it personally, but that would need to be a discussion I would have to be involved in, I think. Uh, what do you think the biggest factor is in making goaltenders so difficult to scout? The NHL is really good and it's really hard to be a goalie and being a really good goalie is a lot of it is in here. And at least to me, you know, a lot of it is in here and there's a and and it takes a long time to develop. So you know, the thing that sets usually I'm skeptical about goalies, period. Um what I've liked about even what I've liked about both Wallstead and Casa even that sets them apart is just the way that they play. They are dialed in, they're relaxed, they stay square to the puck. They just seem like they're locked in. They're not panicky. They just settle into the game. But again, they settle into the game for Casa especially. He settles in at the junior level. How is he against pros? I don't know. With Wallstead, you know. He played pretty well. Um, and no one's ever played well or even played at all at the SHL level as a draft eligible, which to me is extremely interesting. And Askarov is just remarkably athletic and unlike many, many other goaltenders. But most years, I'm not really team goalie in the first round at all. Like, I don't think there are any next year that really scratch that itch. Um, but what does it make it so difficult? I mean, there's a lot of variables that can really affect a goalie's, a goalie's future. Um, and there's a lot of unknowns with most goalies, especially CHL ones. Um, and again, it goes back to just that the NHL is fast and hard to play in. Uh, and that can, that can just, 
that can really challenge goaltenders, and usually it does. There there aren't that many guys in the NHL who sustainably, year over year, become real solid NHL goaltenders that are that are dependable every year. It's why spending money on them is so risky, because um, the landscape changes so quickly, just based on who's dialed in and who isn't. Um. Also, as you mentioned it, I definitely agree. What do you think would be a better system if the draft were to be abolished? I've said this a bunch of times, and I think that the the answer I would love to see, like uh, like every year, teams get a certain number of entry level contracts, with a set salary cap just for those entry level contracts. You know, whether it's three or five or whatever, and the league just says, "Here are your contracts. You can trade these slots to rebuilding teams if you want for players, to give them a signing slot to pick up a player." Um, but then you also have like, I would say like a one month long negotiating process where the players have get, get courted by teams. People tell me like, well, that would just favor the teams with more resources. I don't think so. I bet that there are prospects out there who would love to play in a place like, uh, I don't know, Columbus, you know, maybe they fly the play. Maybe the team flies the player out to Columbus and shows them around for a little bit. You know, and it would also give the players a chance to make money and and make money when, you know, if you could structure the contracts in such a way where the salaries aren't identical every single year, you know, maybe include player options or team options, just give more flexibility to the process. And I think you make it about the players and having them choose where they want to play and have the, the owners and the managers sell their teams to the players. Like... Yeah, and then if the and again, like you could say the best teams would just keep harvesting the best prospects. If if teams spent up to their salary cap on ELC money, then they can't sign them. Right? Maybe they come back 3 4 5 years later and and sign another top guy, but there aren't ju- the guys who go first overall, like it's not like they're the only good players that come out of an NHL draft. Look at what Nick Suzuki is doing, you know? Cole Caulfield went 15th overall. Um there's all kinds of guys that are not first overall picks that could be great value if they're just not the flavor of the week and other teams just don't really think there's much there. But I'm a, I'm very interested in, in that kind of a system and you give the power to the players to both set their price and earn money and then, you know, make their way into the league. I, I don't know. I just feel like a draft is just very much about the teams and it's a very inefficient process for the players and who knows it just might the if the players don't think that it's the right fit there's nothing they can do which i think is which i think is wrong and i think it gives the team far more uh leeway to screw things up with a young player's career uh they can get away with enough or with, get away with a lot more rather than having a vested interest in say a five million dollar rookie that they need playing and if they botch it they botch it and the player makes five million dollars you know like it's it's in, it's an interesting idea and i think it's better than than what we've got right now but again i'm not a I, I would i would need to be paid much more money to put together a very strong uh proposal for that uh what's up will i've been doing a lot of deep diving on defensemen over the past week or so who would you say is the most underappreciated defenseman in this class that you've tracked i really like lucas lucas gustafson on the on the uh chicago steel i think he's a really interesting player um jake martin don't get no love 211th in the north american list is way too low for me um 
Olin Zellweger, I still think, is a bit undervalued. I mean, I'm seeing more and more people putting him in their 30s. Um, but in terms of, like, really appreciating what he does, there aren't that many people doing that. So there's some, there are some examples. If you had a crystal ball, oh, I wish, uh, and could see how one prospect this year turned out, who would it be and why? There's a lot. Um, but if I had to pick one, Simon Edvinson. Easy. Um, what are your thoughts on the rumors of the Red Wings taking McTavish at six? It wouldn't be my pick, but I would get it. He would be a, he's going to be a good NHL player. You know, kind of like a Bo Horvat. A good NHL player, a guy who's involved at both ends, a guy with some offensive tools, a great shot. You know, is he going to completely transform that team? I don't think so, but he's going to be a solid NHL player. And in this year's draft, like, being able to say that with certainty is is a rarity. A lot of other guys have risk, and I don't think there's a ton of risk with McTavish. Um, who's your highest ranked player that you could reasonably see falling into the second round? Uh, Simon Robertson. It's possible. I'd be surprised, but it's possible. What did you think of Zegers and Drysdale's time in the NHL this year? I thought they both looked fine. I mean, it's, I didn't get to see the Ducks a whole lot, but whenever I watched them play, I thought they looked fine. Uh, but I, I can't give you a detailed report. I didn't, I didn't watch a ton of NHL hockey this year, to be perfectly honest. My lava lamp's not having a good night. Um, I picked tomorrow for the Yotes, and they're two seconds in a mock draft. What are their needs? Oh, geez, I don't know. The, the, the Coyotes, like everything, just pick the best player available. Just, they need, just pick the best players. That's it. Um, I hope the Sabres get Beneers. Me too. And yes, they will need centers if they lose Eichel and Reinhardt, but... We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, Beneers is the guy for me there. Where would Jack Quinn rank in this year's draft? Well, I had him in the 20s last year, but I think he'd be in this tier. I would say Jack Quinn probably in the 13, is it 13? Yeah, 13 to 18 range, somewhere in there. Maybe, maybe let's say 17, like above Cylinder, maybe a bit below Cylinder. Between Cylinder and Coronado feels right to me. Um... Did you get a chance to look at Ruben Rafkin? I did. Uh, I, I just, I know he scores a lot of points in Finland. I don't really see it. I think on big ice, his, I think on small ice, his skating got exposed. And I think that's a big reason why he didn't get drafted. Um, just not a great skater, I don't think. Um, you know, he scored points, but he's not super skilled or offensive. I think he was playing on the power play a lot. And that's where a lot of his points came from. Um, not a guy that's on my list, I don't, I don't think. In terms of swings, how big would a swing would drafting Daniel Lazutin be? Very, very, very big. I don't think there's much there. I've been He's one of the first guys this year where I watched him and I was just disappointed. It's a bad sign when SKA St. Petersburg demotes you to SKA Varyagi, especially when you're a player like Daniel Lazutin. Like, he transferred into SKA's program this year and immediately got off on the wrong foot. I just don't think there's much there, personally. Um, kind of a tough question to answer, so sorry in advance, but who do you think could be some solid value pickups in the early second round? Logan Stankoven, uh, if he's there, he probably will be. If Simon Robertson by some chance is gone or not gone, him as well. Scott Morrow, Vili Koivinen, uh, Yessi, you might like him, uh, being a Finn. Um, but yeah, Vili Koivinen. Oh. What happened there? Oh, 
Joel Edmondson. There's that. There's that. There's that trademark physical punishing and a Montreal defense. Goodness gracious! Wow. Wow, that's a terrible play. Just a terrible play there. That's unbelievable. Woo. Oh boy. <laughs> um, yeah, so those are those are some names in the second round. Report came out saying the Sabres are highly interested in Eklund and are looking to draft him if they get another top pick. Thoughts? Sure. Um, if if a guy like if if the trade to the Ducks with Jack Reich, Jack Eichel involves the third overall pick and Beniers is your first overall pick and you cross your fingers that Seattle doesn't take Eklund at two, Beniers Eklund at one three would be sick. It would be sick. So yes, I, I would very much like the Buffalo Sabres to do that and they don't need to pay me to tell them to do that. What are the current needs of team scouting? There are none because it's a sick team. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, let's take a look at the team and we got to start winding this down. I'm starting to run out of steam. I've had a very long day and I need a drink. Um, funnily enough, maybe some wingers. Um, there's a, <laughs> people say right-hand defensemen are hard to find. Well, here's Rathmus Anderson, Timothy Liljegren, Adam Fox, Frederick Ayard, and Kalen Addison. Don't really think I'll be drafting a goalie. I only have three picks this year. Um, unless Toronto adds more, but my expectation for this year's draft is that Vili Koivinen or Ayrton Martino or Scott Morrow even will be available and that'll be easy. A guy like Sean Chagall, I'm crossing my fingers. Olin Zellweger slips. Um, actually he should be higher. There he goes. I mean, if Olin Zellweger, because he's small and doesn't skate super well slips, then for sure. Um, I'd even consider him at 57 if he's there. Um, actually, yeah, let's just do that. Cause Brent Johnson seems to be undervalued. So I'm just going to do this. You're, you're watching me work live on camera here. Um, good Lord. I can't believe how bad that play was. Um, but yeah, I mean, if my, if my team scouting turns out to be say Ayrton Martino, Sean Chagall and Yuri Tiachek or Lucas Gustafsson or Dmitry Kuzman or Marcus Almquist. Like the late round picks are the ones that I'm most excited about to see who's available for me. Um, and I don't really care. I'm just going to pick. I've learned from my mistakes to just draft the players that I like as opposed to like, oh, I'm drafting too many wingers. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think like that anymore after last year for sure. Like uh, Cameron Berg should be on this team, but he's not. Um, I'm glad I took Ethan Cardwell. I mean, I, I think it's a good group of players, um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, yes, so I just saw, uh, I'll catch up in a second there because I saw the note about Zellweger. Um, thoughts on Dave Gucciardi? I like Dave Gucciardi. Um, he's really skilled and he's got a great shot, really nice wrist shot, uh, takes his foot off the gas pedal a lot. I do think that there's a legitimate player there. Um, I've liked some of the data that I have on him. Really good neutral zone positioning. Really good at cutting off those breakout passes and everything. Um, and turning play around. Again, skill is really nice. But yeah, I, I like him. And I think that he'll be a good watch at Michigan State. If he's not, I mean, again, another potential late round option, I think. But should be gone earlier than that. What made Chaka jump? I kind of went over that earlier. 
just I had him too low. I just was I was believing all the wrong things I think on him, and I just saw another game of his, and I just thought that there's an interesting player there for sure that's worth picking over some of the guys he was behind. Other than size, what attribute or skill do you think that NHL scouting staffs overrate the most? Uh, how much development? How much development could like development is extremely important, but I think NHL teams go. This guy's not there right now. In the like in the first round, they'll draft a guy where they're like, "This guy's not there right now," but down the road, um, you know, like objectively, he's not super great now. But trust us, with a few years, he'll get there. It's like everybody develops. So to me, it's like draft the guys who are really, really good with holes in their game that you know you can work on, and it makes your life way easier. But that's kind of nitpicky. Um, but yeah, I think scouting staffs also overrate. Like, in terms of size, they do overrate that, but I think they overrate the effect of a lack of size, especially in certain case studies where guys have the skill and, and pace to overcome it. Um, Jasmeet, what's going on, my friend? Uh, what are your thoughts on Gavin and Liukas? Uh, I don't really think much of Liukas. Gavin, I've seen enough, and I just, again, both guys I just don't have super high on my priority list. I've tried with both of them. I actually was recently watching Liukas, um, I just don't see it with either of those guys right now, unfortunately. Uh, what do you think of Connor Kurth? Big skilled guy though. Uh, he's big, um, like a, like a chonk on the ice and, uh, he, he's got some decent skate, uh, some, some decent skating ability, some good skill. Um, but yeah, interesting player. Not sure I would pick him, but I would keep an eye on him for the next couple of years. Um, who are some really who are, who are some guys who looked really good in a really small sample, i.e. boomer bust players that may have gone higher with a bigger sample size? Marcus Almquist, I think, in a full year in Sweden would have a great, much much better NHL draft potential. Um, Lucas Gustafsson, if the pandemic didn't happen, probably would be with the Steel all year and looking pretty good. Um, Archon Grushnikov, I think, also, if he played the full year with Hamilton, would be interesting. So, yeah. Those those are some that come off the top of my head. Finley, yeah. So your thing about Zellweger skating well, I shouldn't. Yeah, I shouldn't say he's not a great skater. But what I but what I mean is like uh, the the fundamentals are very strong. Yeah, like you said, um, and he's very laterally mobile and using sort of crossovers and edges and turns. He's very mobile there. You know, pushing his body weight into the ice and really sort of building that speed is is impressive. But in terms of actually skating in the forwards direction and generating speed that way and and using that in conjunction with his with his turns and crossovers and pivots to pursue defend pursue defensively he's five foot nine and that's not quite there it's another reason why i'm skeptical about a sean barons for example um it's just like yeah like the offensive tools and his play with the puck is really 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 good and the 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 a lot of the areas of skating are very good but right now he's five foot nine and has a bit of trouble uh, in terms of skating backwards and, and managing gaps well and getting involved defensively to, you know, pursue guys if that defensive entry is, is if that defensive entry happens. Uh, it's just something I've noted. It's But again, like, I had him a lot lower originally because that was something that concerned me because I'm thinking, all right, five foot nine guy, not the best pursuit defender. That's a that's a problematic combination. But then it's like, well, how much of a issue is it really when you look at the rest of it all combined? Um, but I'm just thinking teams will see a five foot nine defender and not see like elite all around fundamentals, 
and might just go, yeah, well, maybe, yeah. I mean, I doubt he's going to make it to my second pick uh, in the fifth round, but if he does, that's the easiest decision I've ever had to make. Uh, how does picking for team scouting work? Yeah, so team scouting is just a list of players that I would have picked in Toronto slots, just because it's a good way to check my own work, you know, and just to look at, you know, and I do it live the last, I've done them live during the draft, but during all my live streams, I do them live. Um, so just so that everyone knows that it's done live uh, and I'm not, and I'm not going back and, and looking, um, you know, in the, I'm not going back and using revisionist history to have my way. Uh, a lot of this is on the spot stuff. Um, so yeah. How does picking, oh, you just, I, I just read the same question. Um, and yeah, so I just picked the guy that I would take. Um, the Sabres should hire you as a scout. They definitely need some. Well, if you know a hookup, I'm more, I'm more than happy. I just live up the road. I'm an hour away there, Kevin Adams. Let's go. Eklund number one for Buffalo. What do you think? It's, I mean, it's not impossible. Um, you know, it's not impossible. Um, yeah. I'd be surprised, but. Yeah, I'd be surprised, but yeah. Um. It's possible. Sorry, the game ended and I'm I'm a little bit flustered. Uh, I'm in very rough motion tracking data. I've been collecting Zellweger's top speed at 35 kilometers an hour, but he does need better with some aspects of his skating. Yeah, yeah, like, again, once he gets moving, he can get moving. Uh, it's just that there's some situations where I've noticed him just, again, it's because he's small. There are a bit, there's a bit of a, there's a few problematic combinations of talent that, that might be an issue, but again with development and whatever, like he's still a very, very good player and probably is a first round level talent. Like he's in a tier for me that bleeds into the first round. Um, but if he's there past the second round, just because he's small, then, then, then we're into you, you trade up to get him kind of territory. I think, um, I think that's going to be it for tonight. Actually, we're done in time. So thank you very much for joining me. I am very tired. Uh, I've had a very long day, so I need to, uh, have a drink and then go to bed. So thank you very much for joining me. This was lovely as always. Um, if you have any other questions or anything, too bad. Wait until next week. Haha. <laughs> um, stay tuned for at, uh, at least two more scouting reports before next week's stream. Uh, and then we have two more after that. Uh, and then there will be a ranking video. And then I'm taking the entire week off work um, before the draft. So I'm going to be doing some fun little streaming ideas. We're going to be playing some games, having some fun. And with that, I think we're going to call it a night. So thank you very much for joining me. Uh, this was always lovely and we will see you next Wednesday night. Um, Tampa up to nothing. What do you know? Have a lovely week, everybody. Also get vaccinated. I just had my second dose on Friday. Look at that. I meant to do my entire stream with this stuck to my face, but I got sweaty very quickly and it would have just turned into a mess. So 